Let's, uh, let's turn to Acts chapter 2 and then verse 1 and uh, or chapter 1 and then I'll tell you what we're going to be doing. So Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, it says this. He said, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, and this is Jesus. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said for them, to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Can you say the word power together? You will receive what? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of the word of God. And I ask you for this seminar this afternoon that you come with life and power. I pray that you remove every obstacle that the enemy's tried to put in the way. You'd unblock every well and you'd release the power and the dynamic from heaven to touch every single person in this room. I thank you, you know how many hairs on every head, you know every seat that people are sitting in, every day of everyone's life was written in the book when as yet there were none, and I ask you to come and meet these dear people and glorify Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, my name's Steve, and uh, I've spent the last eight years in Sydney, Australia. We've been out there church planting. I've been around New Frontiers for a long time. In fact, I used to lead a church in Heathfield, and we were the 20th church in New Frontiers, and it's grown quite a bit since those days. And uh, Rob has kindly asked me today to speak about the power of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, that's what I'm going to do, speak on that. I'm going to speak under three headings. I'm going to speak about the power, I'm going to speak about the promise, and I'm going to speak about the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit. First of all then, the power. I got saved in the 70s, and in the 70s there was a hero of mine who was a leader of an Anglican church in this country. His name was David Watson, and he was a leader of a church. Some of you may have heard of him. He died later of cancer. But he was a young man, and he went to this church, and it had nine people in it. He said this. He said when he read the book of Acts, he felt that 90% of the work was the power of the Holy Spirit, and 10% was man. Yeah. He said the church that he went to, it seemed it was the other way round. Yeah. It seemed 90% of tradition and the work of man, and 5% of the Holy Spirit and so he's decided to pray and fast, and he set aside every Friday. If there are any leaders here, any elders here, he set aside every Friday to pray and fast. And as a result, people started to get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in his church. People got saved. The, 
the, the numbers grew, they grew, outgrew the building and had to meet in the uh, cathedral next door. And there was a move of the Spirit of God which actually gave him an international ministry. And he wrote a book called One in the Spirit, which was a, a, quite a revolutionary breakthrough um, book at that time. He was a real hero of mine. The power of the Holy Spirit. When we read of Jesus saying, you shall receive power. I want to ask you a question, and I want to ask myself a question. What was the disciples' expectation when Jesus said, you will receive power? You see, for David Watson, he'd had 2,000 years of church history. We've had 2,000 years of church history. They didn't have 2,000 years of church history, some good, some bad. They were starting from scratch. They were about to create church history. What was their expectation when Jesus said, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? They had two reference points. They had, number one, the work of the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, and they had, secondly, the ministry of Jesus. And I want to uncover those and and just spell that out a little because I believe this I believe God meets us according to our expectations and if our expectations are down here that's what we receive but if our expectations are in line with the word of God then suddenly our expectations move to another level and God powerfully comes that's what I want this afternoon that's what I want for your life because there's more for you than sitting here in a tent God has got a powerful ministry for you and for all of us and for his church in this day he has he really has. I thought it was a great word from Simon this morning. And we need to come in on the back of it, even clearly in this session. First of all then, the power. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. And it's, it can be translated in one of three ways. It can either be translated as wind, or breath, or spirit. Ruach. Wind, breath, or spirit. All of those three words are interchangeable. And in the Old Testament, when we see the Ruach of God, the Spirit of God moving, it is more often than not with violent invasions of power. Violent invasions of power. So let me just touch on a few. Let me touch, first of all, in creation. It says, it says in Genesis chapter 8... Talking about the floodwaters, it says, if you want to follow in your work, in your Bibles, you can do this. But it says in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, God remembered Noah and the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind. He sent the Ruach of God to dry up the floodwaters. Let me ask you, what sort of a wind would it be? The winds, the breath, the Spirit of God. What sort of a wind would it be to dry up the known floodwaters? Tell me, speak to me. Strong? Hot? Power. Incredibly powerful. So here we see the Ruach of God blowing and powerfully moving. Then let me also show you in uh, Exodus chapter 14. In Exodus chapter 14 it says this in verse 21. This is when they came to the Red Sea. It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east what? Wind. 
and turned it into dry land. So here's the ruach of God, the wind of God, the breath of God, carving a path through the Red Sea. Must have been amazing. I'd love to have, uh, I'd love to have been there. That's the wind of God, the breath of God, the Spirit of God, carving a pathway through the Red Sea, holding it back, and turning the river bed into hard-baked terra firma, so uh, the Israelites could go through with all their livestock and their animals. I have a friend, and uh, he's a farmer, and every um, every winter, one of his cows, a big bull or something, will get stuck in the mud, and literally they put their, their hoofs in the mud, and then they try and get themselves free, and they, they literally get stuck. The only way they can get them out is to put a big belt around them and pull them out with a tractor. What sort of a wind would it be to carve through the Red Sea, hold the waters back, and turn the ground into solid terra firma so that bulls and animals, sheep, the Israelite army could go through there on hard baked ground? What sort of a wind? Speak to me. The wreck of God. Just some examples in creation. Not only about creation, but about the Spirit of God, the Ruach of God coming on individuals. And this is the disciples, this is their understanding, this is all they know. Now this is the the book of Judges, I love the book of Judges. And the book of Judges is about God taking men and women and suddenly anointing weak people, unusual people, with his Spirit and raising up amazing leadership. So if you've got the book of Judges, there's a character here called Othniel. And it says, if you have a look in Judges chapter 3, and verse 9, it says this, it said, when the people cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. It says, the spirit of the Lord came on him, so that he became Israel's judge. And then he says this, and he went to war. Say that with me. The Spirit of God came on him and he went to war. He went to what? War. And he overthrew the enemy and the land had peace for many, many years. Now here's the old story. The Israelites have sinned. God's given them into the hand of their enemies. They say, God, get us out of this mess. Get us out of this mess. His answer is always the same. He comes on, a, on an individual or a group of people by his spirit. And they become men and women who go to war against the powers of, the, of darkness in their day. And that's what the church should be today. A group of people who, who are going to war against the powers of darkness in their day to see dead people come alive, to see people's eyes open, to see people healed and see the power of God come on people. And the Spirit came on Othniel and he became Israel's judge and he went to war and the land knew peace for many, many years. Here's another one. How about this guy? How about, how about this? Shamgar. It says in verse 31, it says, After Ehad came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. And then it, that's just one line. That's all it says of him. And then it says, he too saved Israel. Yeah. And what it says of Shamgar, he was, he was a farmer's boy. All he had in his hand was a stick. An ox goad is a stick with a point on. And he would go with the oxen. Come on, come on. 
And the Spirit of God came on him, and he slew 600 Philistines with a stick. Whether you're a butcher, baker, or candlestick maker, or a farmer's boy, God wants to come on you by his Spirit, so you don't just say one or two words in tongues, but you become a man or woman of the power and life of God in the city where you are, whether it's at a computer, whether it's in a, in a, a blacksmith's foundry, or whatever you're doing in a schoolroom, like that great man this morning, wonderful guy, and you're bringing the power of God into the situation. Shamgar was like that. Othniel was like that. What about this guy, Gideon? Gideon was probably... Well, he was a very, very weak guy. We read about Gideon in chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. He says in verse 14, The Lord turned to him and says, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Basically, the Israelites have sinned again, and God had given them into the hands of Midian. And here was this young man, Gideon, and he was, he was a timid, frightened young boy. And he was in a cave. And he was in a cave because he was scared of the enemy. And he's got some wheat in this cave, which he's beating out. And he's, he's trying to thrash out the corn. And all these frustrations are coming out. Where is God in this situation? Why isn't the church doing what it should be? Where are the signs and wonders? Where are the miracles? What's going on? And as he's doing that, suddenly an angel of the Lord comes and sits by him. And the angel just looks at him. And then the angel says to him, God is with you, you mighty man of valour. Now he's there because he's scared stiff. But you know what? God always sees the potential in us of what we can do. And he says, God is with you, you mighty, mighty man of valour. And then he says, go in this strength that you have. And he said, how can I go in this strength? I don't have any strength. I am the least and I am the weakest in my clan. I'm the least clan and the weakest one in that. In other words, I'm the last person in my church or in this in the kingdom of God that God could use I'm totally disqualified but he's actually wonderfully qualified for the purposes of God God isn't looking for somebody who's got amazing gift and ability he's looking for people of faith who dare to believe his word dare to trust him and move when he says move and you may be here today you may be frightened you may be timid you may be the very person whom God wants to take hold of in your situation, in your school, in your factory, wherever you are, to bring the power and the life of God. And we find out this, we find out that what transformed Gideon, in verse 34, it said that suddenly the Spirit of God came on him. And here was this trembling, fearful young person, and the Spirit of God came on him. Do you know what he started to do? He got a trumpet, he blew a trumpet. And all of Israel gathered to him, 32,000. And he said, if anyone's afraid, go home. 22,000 left him. Then he had 10,000. Then he gave them another test, took them down to the water brook, a little test, I can't get into it. And he said, if you pass, God will use you. If you don't, you're going to get disqualified. If you, if you, if you lack like a dog. You'll get disqualified, but if you scoop the water up and keep your eyes around you, your wits around you, God will use you. 
9,700 were disqualified. And 300 people with Gideon, who's now got the anointing of the Spirit of God on him, and they dared to believe in faith that God could give them deliverance. 300 against the Midianite army of 400,000 people. We think in this nation the powers of darkness are big. It's in turmoil. God can do more with a group of people who are in faith than he can with hundreds and thousands who are half-hearted, not sure where they're at. You may be a man today or a woman today who is a bit fearful or trembling. You say, God, I need your help. God, I need your spirit. God, I come on you by his spirit and use you in a powerful way. Gideon became a mighty warrior because the spirit of God came on him with 300 people they saw a victory against an army of 400,000 with 300. Isn't that exciting? Amen? I think it's exciting. This is my favourite character in the book of Judges, Samson. He's a real yobbo. That's why I like him. He's a total yob. Have a look at this. Have a look in Judges chapter 14. Do you ever laugh when you read the Bible? Yeah. I laugh when I read the Bible. It's hilarious, some of the stuff that you read. And Samson, this is just hilarious. We read in, in Judges chapter 14 and verse 5 it says this. Samson went down to Timnah to get his father and mother. And as they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring towards him. And then it says this, the spirit of the Lord came on him in what? Say it together, the spirit of the Lord came on him. And he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as you might tear apart a little kid goat. Now, I know you nice people don't do things like that, but some people do. And here he is, he's wandering down against the the Philistines, and suddenly this lion comes roaring at him. Now, I I went to Bristol Zoo some time ago when our boys were younger. And we were walking up and down. There was this magnificent lion. And he looked at you and his eyes went right through you. And there was only a thin fence between the two of us. And then this thing roared. You saw the teeth on this thing. And and a tremor went into my heart. He thought, I wonder what it would have been like for David when he faced a lion and he got hold of it by the beard and clubbed it to death. Or even Samson, when a young lion came and roared against him, and he said, he says this, he says, the spirit of God came on him as this lion came, he gets hold of the lion, he tears it apart, limb from limb, I'd like to see this on a video, he tears it apart, throws it into the lion curry, and uh, tears this thing apart, and then he moves on. The power of the Spirit of God. That in many ways could be a picture of the enemy who roars around like a roaring lion seeking someone around here to devour. God's way is to come on us by his Spirit so that we become men and women of war who go into war, who go into do battle and see victories won for Jesus. Are you up for that? Or do you just want a nice gentle breeze in your heart? And I don't despise that because God does that as well to bring assurance but he wants us to become men and women who are going to usher in the kingdom of God with life and power in this generation, in our churches and in our nation. If we had churches like that, we'd we'd see a total overthrow in the 
salvation and we'd see Jesus' name glorified and exalted where it should be forevermore. Amen? I tell you, I'll let you into a secret. That is why you're here, and that is what God is doing in our day. Amen? Samson. Samson. How about this one? I love this. I love this. It says in chapter 15, and I can't tell you all the detail of it, but the, um, he, was a bit, he was an embarrassment to all of his, his um, fellow Israelites. And uh, they said, look, don't you realize you're giving us problems with the Philistines? And they said, look, what we want to do is to come and tie you up with ropes and we're going to hand you over to them. So he said, all right, well, make a promise with me that you won't kill me. And so um, they said, all right. And they tied him up with new ropes. And this is what the Bible says. It says, 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Etam to Samson. And they said, don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they've done to me. And they said, we've come to tie you up with new ropes and hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said to me, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed, they answered, we will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and they led him up from the rock. Then this, he says, as he approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him shouting. And then he says this, the spirit of the Lord came on him in power. He says, the ropes on his arms became like charred flax, like a burnt matchstick. It just snapped, they just fell off. And he says, and the bindings dropped off his, his arms and off his hands. And then he says this, hilarious bit. He says, finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey. I've often wondered, what is a fresh jawbone of a donkey? He maybe saw a donkey walking by at that time and thought, I'll just borrow his jawbone. <laughs> I don't know, it may have just been lying around. But, but maybe he just saw this donkey and thought, right, that'll do. He, take, he gets a fresh, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he then slays a thousand Philistines because the Spirit of God has come on him in power. And then he sings a little song. You see, he's a worship leader. And this is his song. We could sing this. Simon sang a song this morning. We could sing this one. He sings a little song. He says, I named this hill that I've just killed these Philistines on. I'm going to call this hill Jawbone Hill. And then he sings a little song, and this is his song. He says, with a donkey's jawbone, I've made donkeys out of them. And with a donkey's jawbone, I've killed a thousand men. We'll try that together, shall we? With a donkey's jawbone, <laughs> with a donkey's jawbone, I killed a thousand men. With a donkey's jawbone, sorry, I got it around the wrong way. With a donkey's jawbone, I've made donkeys out of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I've killed a thousand men. It's hilarious. He said to me, what is all this? I'll tell you what it is. It's the word of God, of God's spirit coming on people, and the disciples, they understood the ruach of God coming and drying up the floodwaters, opening the Red Sea, coming on Othniel, coming on Gideon, coming on Samson. And when the spirit of God comes powerfully on people, powerfully on people, so they become men and women of war. Let me take you on into the book of Kings and Samuel and King David. And it says of David, it says this, that Samuel wanted to anoint one of Jesse's sons 
He said to Jesse, go and get all your sons. He got all of his sons. He said, surely the first one's going to be king. And just as he got to him, God says, no, it's not him. Then he went to the next one, thought it must be him. Then God says, no, it's not him. Then the next one, then the next. And in the end, we went through all of them. Now that's quite something when God says one of his sons is going to be king. You bring them all and it's no, 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 no. And then he says to Jesse, have you any other sons? He said, I've got one other. He's the least. And David came in playing his harp, singing, the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want, with his sheepskin jacket. And, and Samuel immediately knew that he was God's anointed. He was the man who was going to bring deliverance. And he said this, he took out the horn of oil and he poured it over David, this 17 year old boy. And he says, and the spirit of God came on him in power. This 17 year old boy. Chapter 16 says that. Do you know what chapter 17 says? He says he went out and he slew the giant of the of the land, Goliath, who was a picture of the works of the enemy. God wants to come on his church and on you and on me by his spirit in a new way in this day so that we become men and women who love Jesus, but we become men and women of warfare against the powers of darkness in this day. That's what God is doing. That's what the kingdom of God is about, to usher in the rule and the government of our King Jesus by the power of the spirit. Why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I shan't even answer the question we need to be filled because by ourselves we can do nothing by myself I can do nothing let me take you on and then I'm going to um, move on a little bit Isaiah the prophet says this Isaiah 61 it says the spirit of the sovereign lord is upon me Because the Lord has anointed me to do three things. To preach good news to the poor. To bind up the brokenhearted and release captives. And to heal the sick. That's what God has come to do. Now there was a time in Jesus' day. Where Jesus went to the synagogue in the morning. And they said, oh Jesus, um, it's nice to have you here today. And uh, we'd like like you to bring us a reading. Would you bring us a reading? And so they gave to him the prophet Isaiah. He could have turned to Isaiah chapter 6. He could have turned to Isaiah chapter 53. But he turns to Isaiah chapter 61. And then he says this. He says this. And by the way, we stand when we preach. In those days they used to sit down and teach. So he sat down. And he talked. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to open eyes of the blind and release to the captives. And then he closed the scroll and then he said this, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. Now they started to nudge one another and say, hey, who is he? Isn't he just the carpenter's boy? Isn't he, don't we know Mary, isn't he, uh, his, uh, sort of rumours about his birth, and isn't he sort of, uh, some say he's illegitimate, we're not sure about Mary and Joseph and all that, they started to murmur. And actually they threw him out, they kicked him out. When Jesus moves outside, and he's just read this passage, the first thing that happens is this, is that a demonised man comes up to him, ah! 
We, we know who you are, Jesus. We know who you are. You're the Son of God. And Jesus said, be quiet, come out. He was immediately delivered. That night, the whole town gathered to him. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He raised the dead. He moved in the power of the Holy Spirit because the ruach, the wind, the breath of the Spirit of God had come upon him and anointed him to do the task. Now this is my question to you. When the disciples had known the Old Testament background of the ruach of God drying up the floodwaters, opening up the Red Sea, coming on Othniel, coming on Shamgar, coming on trembling people like Gideon, coming on Samson tearing lions and overthrowing the Philistines, coming on King David and giving mighty victory. And now they're with Jesus and they see the blind sea have their eyes opened. The deaf have their ears unstopped. People get healed. Lazarus gets raised from the dead. The widow of Nain's son gets raised from the dead. Jairus' daughter gets raised from the dead. What do you think the disciples expected when Jesus' last words to them were this? And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you too will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. What do you think they expected to happen? Hello? Exactly right. And I believe that God meets us according to our expectation. I think our expectation in church life has got to about zero. (laughs) I've been around for a long time. I've had people come up to me and say, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, oh, how do you know that? And they say, I can they say, I can say, Baba Bashanda. So I said, oh, right. And they think that that's it. If you can say one word in tongues or two words in tongues that you've arrived. I want to tell you this, that the power of the Holy Spirit is given so that we can usher in the power of God, the kingdom of God. We can build the church. We can do the works, the signs and wonders of Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital that we understand the power. Now I've laboured this on purpose because that was their expectation of the power from the Old Testament and from the works of Jesus. They didn't have your church life, my church life, 2,000 years of church history. They had the works of Jesus and they had the Old Testament. You're going to receive power. I reckon their expectations were up here. Amen? Amen. The power. I'm going to be quicker with the other two points. The power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to get that because God wants to visit you with a dynamic of power which is to see men and women touched and saved and set free and healed. Not just so you can say one or two words in tongues. I don't despise that. I love the gift of tongues. But God wants to do far, far more than that. Amen? He wants to see the church become militant, not against one another, but against the powers of darkness in this day, and to see advance, and to see breakthrough, and the power and the life of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the promise. We're told in Luke chapter 24, we're told that the promise is the promise of the Father. 
And Jesus picked this up in Acts chapter 1. He said, wait until you receive the promise from the Father. He said, stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And then in Acts 2.39 it says, for the promise is for you and all your children, all those who are far off. I want you to know that there are no exceptions. There's no exceptions. If you're a person who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus, you believe in Jesus, you believe he died for your sins, he's forgiven you, he's risen again, he's alive forevermore, then you qualify for the power of God on your life. It's not just certain, it's not just Terry Virgo and Billy Graham, one or two leaders. And Rob, Rob Davy, of course. It's not just one or two. It's, it's, we all qualify for the power of God's Spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So who's, who receives the power? Who? We all do. We all do. Because God is going to visit people right at the end here with his power. The prophets pick up the promise of the New Testament age. In the, in, the, in the Word of God, the prophets are a wonderful group of people. They live under what's called the Old Covenant, the Covenant of Moses. And yet, they could see the New Covenant, the Age of the Spirit. They could see that. They live with this tension. And they long to live in days that we live in. They long to live in these days. And there are three things they say about the coming of the Spirit of God. Number one is this, that it's going to be the age where people are born again. And so Jeremiah says, I was going to forgive their sins. Ezekiel says this, that God is going to take out of a person's heart the heart of stone and give it a heart of flesh. Take out the heart of stone and put in you a heart of flesh. Sensitive to God. I was saved when I was 22 at Southampton University. And uh, I used to swear like a trooper. And um, a person said to me, Steve, your language is foul. And uh, he was right, it was. Then I became a Christian. And I went to say the words, uh, and the words actually stopped in my mouth. I thought, I thought, I thought that's not me, that's not me. And I thought, no, it's not me. And I had a, I used to smoke a bit, and I found that, that I didn't have to give up smoking. I found smoking gave me up. <laughs> and the same with drinking. I used to drink a lot. We used to go out purposely to get drunk. One of my friends held the record for drinking the most beer in 24 hours. He was to ended up in hospital having a stomach pump. I was part of that. And that's how we lived. When I became a Christian, I found that God had suddenly taken out my old stony heart, and suddenly I was changed. I, I didn't want to go to the pub, I wanted to go to the church. I wasn't swearing, I thought, where's that come from? God's done something in me. I was born again. Ezekiel said, he's going to write his word on our heart. Write his laws on your heart. It's not going to be in the external imposed covenant, it's going to be something which is internal and written on your hearts. That's what Ezekiel says, and that's what Jeremiah said. Isaiah says this. It's picked up by Jesus. It prophesies about the, um, the Messiah. We're going to preach the word of God. We're going to heal the sick. And we're going to bring deliverance to people who need deliverance. That was the word to the Messiah. To Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Amen? Can you say amen? amen? The church is the body of Christ, and therefore God wants his body to be an anointed body doing the same works that Jesus did. 
I believe God wants to heal people. We've moved into a new house in Hassocks. We got back from Australia, we moved into a new house. We had a problem with the TV aerial. The bloke came round to fix it. And as he came in, I felt God said to me, he's got a bad back. So I just said to him, um, have you got a bad back? So he looked at me and he said, how on earth did you know that? So I said, God's just told me. And so he looked a bit stunned. I said, I've been a pastor of a church for many years. I said, God's just told me. I said, um, we normally pray for people. So he said this to me. He said, he said you can pray for me. He said, well, I write out the bill. <laughs> And so I said, um, I said, that's not quite what I had in mind. I said, um, we normally lay hands on people and pray over them. So he, he take off his, took off his hat and he said, fine, all yours. So he's standing like that. So I said, well, where is the pain? So he said, the pain is in my stomach. He says, it goes down through my left testicle and it comes up my back. He said, I've been to doctors and specialists and no one can sort it out. He said, they don't know what's wrong with me. I placed my hands on him. I prayed in Jesus' name that this would go. It immediately went. This was only the other week. It immediately went. And And this guy... He, he said this to me, he says, he said, I, f- I feel as though I'm growing. He said, he said, I'm feel I'm, he said, I feel, I'm, feel I'm growing. He said, I think I was meant to come here today. I said, I, I think you were meant to come here today. <laughs> and then he said, I feel like dancing around the room. Yeah. This is the TV aerial man. I said, well, f- be my guest, you know, carry on. <laughs> so he was also, he said, he said, I feel as though I'm growing, I'm growing. And then he said, do you know Steve so-and-so? I'd never heard of Steve so-and-so in my life. It was his cousin. As if I would ever hear of him. (laughs) And then he said, oh, he said he made a wonderful speech the other week. This guy, his cousin, had obviously just got saved and he'd had a baptism a month ago and and invited this guy, whose also name was Steve, or name also was Steve, invited him to his baptism and it had shaken the living daylights out of him to see the change in this guy. He walks into my front room, you've got a bad back, God touches him immediately and he, he goes out. I give him a copy of my personal track which I keep with me always and give to many people. He goes out almost on cloud nine because Jesus met him. The next day... We went into Costa's coffee shop. I'm sitting there with my wife, my son Simon. Most people know me by my son Simon. Nowadays they say, are you Simon's dad? So I say, yeah. <laughs> I used to be known as Steve Brading. Now I'm known as Simon Brading's dad. So <laughs> I said, you... <laughs> so I'm sitting there with Simon and Anna and the girls. And I turn to the side and there's this elderly lady. And she's got two, she's got two sticks. And she's on her own. And I'm just moved with compassion for this lady and I, I just I just turned around I just put my hand on her and said are you on your own are you okay so she says no not really she said she said my, my right leg has gone numb and she said and when I, I stood on my right leg she said I fell over and broke the left leg and so this poor lady I said oh let me pray for you so I grabbed Ruth, and she's used to that. She's, she's better at it than I am. But we prayed for this lady. And what we prayed, somebody had sent me a text in the morning, and it got a, I'd never seen the symbol before, but it had a heart with a, a crack right through it. 
a, like a broken heart. This, this, I don't even, that's what it was. As we prayed, I could immediately see this picture which came into my mind. And I said to this lady, are you broken hearted? So she says, my husband has just died. So here she is, sitting in a, in a cafe. Her husband has just died. She's broken her leg. She's elderly on her own. No one in the world cares about her, but Jesus cares about her. And what he does, he sends people like you and me to touch a needy world. And that's how we do it. We won't do it by sitting in our church singing hymns. We, we, we will get filled with the life of God, but we then take the life of God out to a needy world. We pray for the aerial man. We pray for the ladies in costumes. We ask God to powerfully, powerfully move them. That is what God wants to do. That's what you're signing up for today. You're saying, Jesus, I want to be on the front foot. I want to be out there on the front foot. Are you up for that? It's doing what Simon said, making disciples. You become a disciple and you go. This lady said to me, she said, which church do you come from? Where is the church? Where do they meet? I never said anything about the church. She would start asking me, where do you meet? How do I get there? What time? They ask the questions when we move with love and compassion. The promise is that you will you'll be born again, you'll move in signs and wonders, and the promise is also too is that you will be a prophetic people. And it was the prophet Joel who says this. He says, In the last days God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Young men are going to have visions. Old men are going to have dreams. I'm just moving from the dreams. I'm just moving from the the visions to the dreams. Young men are going to have visions. Old men are going to have dreams. And God is going to pour out his spirit and they will prophesy and they speak. I believe in the priesthood of all believers. I believe in the prophethood of all believers. That God wants all his people, you can all prophesy one by one because it's the spirit of God. And in the Old Testament, the spirit of God came on one or two individuals to prophesy. In the New Testament, the spirit of God comes and indwells every man and every woman and every believer so that they can prophesy and bring the power and the life and the kingdom of God to the world. So when I was in Sydney, Sydney, Australia, and I was serving a region out there, Japan and Cambodia and New Zealand and Philippines and Australia. I suppose we go into the Philippines and the taxi's coming to pick me up at five o'clock in the morning because the plane is early. So I'm, I'm bleary-eyed, I'm tired, it's early in the morning. I get into this taxi. I always like to sit in the front with the taxi driver as he drives me to the airport. And I sat in the front with the taxi driver. And as we're going probably about a mile, the Holy Spirit says to me this. He's been cheating on his wife. So I think, so I, my immediate reaction is, no Lord, please, not at this time. Not at this time in the morning. It's only, it's only five in the morning. And so I, I try to ignore it, but there's this, this prompting in my spirit. He's been cheating on his wife. So we get down the road and he's driving along. And as he's driving along, I, I just turned to him and I said, uh, So have you been cheating on your wife then? That's what I said. At that moment, he lost control of the car. And when he, when he pulled himself together, about a couple of minutes later, he, t- he turned to me and he said, Yes! How did you know? 
I said, I'm a pastor of a church. God has just told me you've been cheating on your wife. The man said, the man, in a sense, repented. He said, I I know it's wrong, I know it's wrong. I ended up sharing the gospel with him. I ended up praying. He asked me to pray for him. And he asked me where we met as a church. This is just a taxi ride down the road. It's just Costas. It's just the TV aerial man. It's the people we meet every day, all the time, going on and on and on. God wants to pour out his spirit so we meet a lost and dying world with the life of God. If we don't do it, Who's going to do it? And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. People born again, moving in signs and wonders and being prophetic, bringing prophetic words, words of knowledge to a world. Amen? And God can speak to you about friends at school. I could give you story after story about words of knowledge. I've gone into schools and God has given me words of knowledge about people in India and words of knowledge. One word of knowledge can break a situation open. And God wants to do that because we are a prophetic people who are called and we are anointed by the Spirit of God. And he wants to come on us so that we can prophesy, move in spiritual gifts, signs and wonders. So that's why the Holy Spirit is poured out. That's the promise in the Old Testament and it's picked up in the New Testament. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit powerfully came on them and they became mighty witnesses who turned the world upside down. The power, the promise. I just want to say this under this heading. You say to me, about experience is it everybody's can this happen at conversion or is it a secondary thing I would say this I would say that it can happen at conversion but in many many situations it is quite often God fills a person with the Holy Spirit at a later stage when they've been a Christian for a year or two in experience, my experience and history tells us that that's happened it can happen immediately at conversion I believe that the dynamic in the early church was such that when the power of the Spirit of God came that they got the whole thing in one go I think our level of expectation in the church is so low that we almost have to do seminars like this to get folks you know, to understand what it means to be filled with the Holy spirits. Let me give you some examples. Let me give you my own example. I've been a Christian for a year. I wanted to know God more. I wanted to um, be better at praying. I thought I was pretty bad at praying. I knelt down my my bed at one time at university and started to pray. Everybody, I I said, I want to know God more. They they used to say, you need to read your Bible more and you need to pray more. So I tried it. I knelt down by my bed and I started to pray. And I fell asleep. I knew I'd fallen asleep because actually there was a patch of dribble which had fallen... (laughs) come out of my mouth onto the bed and I I thought I must be the worst Christian in the world I thought I must be the worst one going but I was keen to know God and then one morning as I was praying on my own I felt the presence of God come so powerfully so powerfully that it frightened me and so what I did, I stopped praying. And then I thought to myself, you fool, Steve Brady, you fool. Why did you do that? 
And I made a promise, if ever I sense God's presence as powerful as that, I'm going to stay there even if I get burnt alive. And about a week later, I was praying and I felt God's presence come so powerfully, so powerfully, and I just hung in there. And then suddenly I found myself speaking in tongues. I knew it wasn't me, because I didn't know when to start and when to stop. It was just the the Spirit of God coming on me, touching me powerfully. And I felt that different things happen. I felt God had given me a new love, a new assurance, a new sense of His presence. And God wants to do that, my friends, powerfully with you. Terry Virgo, the leader of New Frontiers. He was a man who was saved in the Baptist church. Who was later on, he was nervous to give his testimony. He thought he was the world's worst evangelist. And then God powerfully touched him later on in his life. That was his own experience. That it was later on, after he'd been a Christian for a year or two, that the power of the Spirit of God came on him and absolutely transformed him. It's also happened to other people in church history. It's happened to D.L. Moody. It's happened to Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, Whitfield. This is what Moody says. D.L. Moody says, I began to cry as never before for a greater blessing from God. The hunger increased. I really felt that I did not want to live any longer. And he'd been a, a Christian, not only a Christian minister, but in charge of a mission for some time. He said, I kept on crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. But one day in the city of New York, oh what a day, I cannot describe it, I seldom refer to it, it's almost too sacred an experience to to name. Paul had an experience which he never spoke of for 14 years. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him in the end to stay his hand from me because there was such a powerful move of the Spirit of God. It was D. L. Moody. Billy Graham was a very ordinary preacher. He had a good friend, Stephen Alford. Billy Graham felt he wanted to dedicate more of his life to God and Stephen Alford said we need to go away and pray for three days. They went away and prayed for three days and Billy Graham just surrendered himself to God. He felt that he'd given his whole life to God and he asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the evening he was speaking at a meeting and uh, Stephen Alford said he'd go along. He's not particularly excited about going to it but he'd just go to support him. He said when Billy Graham stood up He said he knew straight away that there was a difference. He said that God had met the man. He said he preached like a lion. And Stephen Alford went home and said to his wife, he said, the man's a changed man. He said the world will hear from this man. And Billy Graham, anointed and touched by the power of God, had seen thousands and millions of people saved into the kingdom of God. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It may happen, a conversion. My guess is probably that's not the case for everybody here. It wasn't for me, it wasn't for Terry Virgo, it wasn't for D.L. Moody, it wasn't for many others. But it was a later time when God came by his Spirit and empowered. In the book of Acts, we read about the, the disciples, that we know that they'd given everything and followed Jesus. They'd forsaken all. They were believers of the resurrection. They'd seen the crucifixion. 
They knew Jesus had risen from the dead, and yet they were told to wait until they received power from on high. You say to me, that's just a one-off, that's just a special occasion, which I agree, it is. But then we read things like in, in Samaria, where Philip the Evangelist goes down to Samaria. He proclaims Christ. People believe. Signs and wonders take place. Demons are cast out. They believe in Jesus. They hear the word of God. They're baptized. And then it says this. He says in verse 14 of Acts chapter 8, he says, When the apostles heard that they'd received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit for as yet the Holy Spirit had not fallen on any of them for Peter and John then placed their hands on them and prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit came on them mightily in an amazing way I don't know what your experience is today but I know this that God wants to powerfully meet you and touch you not everybody's experience is the same in our church in Sydney, we had we had one girl who was quite an extrovert. She'd been in a church for and an Anglican church for all her life. And then Terry came and did a church camp and uh, prayed for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And she stood at the front, Heather, one of the leader's wives, actually. And Terry prayed over her, and she burst out in tongues and she prayed in tongues for three quarters of an hour and it was a mixture between laughing (laughs) she was laughing, the whole camp joined in, she was laughing she was joyous, the power of the spirit of God came on her, she was praying in tongues for three quarters of an hour very dramatic you may be like that we also had another girl, Cindy who was very shy and very quiet she wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit she'd been in an Anglican church She'd been to Bible college. She came to the church camp. And when she got filled with the Holy Spirit, she was a little bit nervous and shy, but she was open. She said, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, she started, her legs started to, to you know, feel heavy. And she, she started to laugh. She said, I can't stand up. It was more of a gentle sense of the tide coming in for her. With Heather, it was like a storm, God powerfully breaking on her. With Cindy, it was more like a gentle move of the Spirit of God. God hasn't left anybody out, but it may be your experience won't be the same as the person next to you. Don't disqualify yourself because somebody else's experience is different and you haven't had their experience. God wants to meet you. And we're going to pray in a minute as I just come to the last thing. I know you've been listening a long time. The power, the promise is to touch every single one of us. This is the purpose. The purpose is for two reasons of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, that we can live the Christian life. Because Jesus said, without me you could do what? When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings an assurance. It's the Holy Spirit who seizes our spirit and bears witness that we're children of God. It's the spirit of sonship. Puts within us a spirit of sonship. We cry, Abba, Father. He anoints us with a boldness, with a joy. It's the His Spirit. We need God's Spirit to live the Christian life. But then we also need God's Spirit to powerfully break into the world around, to build the church, to usher in the kingdom of God, to move in signs and wonders, to prophesy, and to bring His kingdom into this world. God wants
wants to take hold of you, he wants to take hold of me, he wants to take hold of our churches more and more and more and more. It's the power of the Spirit, it's the promise of the Spirit, and the purpose is so that you can walk a godly life, and so that you can reach a world with the good news about Jesus. Amen? You may just ask, as we finish, how do you actually get filled? Jesus said this, he says, if anyone's thirsty, what does anyone mean? What anybody, that means we all qualify, if anybody is thirsty, let him come to me. That's not me, Steve Brading or Rob, you're coming to Jesus, you come to Jesus. You come and you ask, say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. I long to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And we come and we drink and we receive by faith. Because he who promised is faithful and he will meet us and bless us. Sometimes people get hung up about the gift of tongues. I want you to know that it's not God who speaks in tongues. It's you who speak in tongues. God touches you by his spirit, but you speak in tongues. You sound your voice and speak in tongues. And it's a wonderful gift which is given to edify you and to build you up, but also given for other reasons as well, which I won't shan't go into. God wants to come and touch you. Some of you may find that you're ended up speaking in tongues. Hopefully you all do um, this afternoon. The power of the Spirit, the promise of the Spirit, the purpose is to touch you and meet you and to use you to meet and reach a needy world. Are you thirsty? Yes. Yes? Yes. You come to Christ. You ask. You believe by faith. And you receive.